I was young, I knew everything. Chia Punk who rarely ever took advice. Now I'm guilt stricken, sobbing with my head on the floor. Stopping baby's breath and a shoe full of rice. No, can't be held responsible. Touching her face, I won't be held responsible. She fell in love in the first place. For the life of me, I cannot remember what made us think that we were wise and we never compromised. For the life of me, I cannot believe. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the hustle. It's John Lamoureux. All right, this week we get to hear from Brian Vander Ark, frontman for 90s alt-rockers The Verve Pipe. Uh, now, most people probably know the story by now. In the early 90s, they really started to get a lot of attention, a real groundswell of fandom in their native Michigan. Put out a couple of excellent indie albums, if you ask me. And it all caught the attention of the major labels. And in 1996, they finally released their third album, which is their first major label album called Villains. And it's the one that features this song right here, The Freshman, which was like a global phenomenon, basically. Uh, huge, huge hit. It also featured Photograph, the title track, Villains. Uh, that, that thing sold a couple million albums. And so when they went back into the studio to make the follow-up, they're thinking things are good. And then that one comes out, the self-titled album, and it tanks so epically. And in fact, I didn't, he details it in here, I didn't realize that it tanked as bad as he tells me that it tanks. And uh, they never quite regained their footing after that. They've continued to put out a few albums, four or five, well, they put out some rock albums, straightforward rock albums, and they've also put out a couple of kids' albums. Uh, he put out some solo stuff. What's unfortunate this happens a lot the stuff their music just keeps getting better and better and of course the audiences get smaller and smaller and that's that's just the nature of the business today that's not even entirely their fault they put out an album in 2017 called parachute that is great in fact if you lost track of the verve pipe or you haven't paid close attention to them since the freshman i encourage you to check out the albums at least the ones that have come out for instance, in the 2000s. Give it a try, there's so much great stuff, more power poppy than sort of, you know, that grungy rock. It's great. Anyway, Brian is a very funny, self-effacing, uh, engaging, honest guy. I actually have a sort of a personal connection with these guys that I explained at the very beginning of the interview here. And uh, so it meant a lot to me to finally get a chance to talk to him. And I just found him so refreshingly honest and nice and fun. And uh, so I hope you guys enjoy this conversation. We, he tells all kinds of candidly funny and uh, honest stories about what he did with his first you know, big royalty checks. And uh, of course the conflict that went on having a band from England called The Verve, who I also love, come into prominence at exactly the same time. What are the chances? Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this this conversation. I loved it. He called me from his home in Grand Rapids, Michigan. First things first, 
you and I have actually kind of a long history together that you don't even know about. And so let me tell mm. you this story. It's kind of crazy. So most of my listeners already know this about me, but I grew up Mormon. And uh, okay. when I, in the spring of 1992, I went on a Mormon mission. And you've seen those Mormon missionaries out there with their ties and their name tags. Very familiar with it, yes. Yes. Okay, so I was one of those. And I got assigned to go to Lansing, Michigan on my mission, on my two-year mission. Oh, I'm so sorry. (laughs) It's funny you say that because all of my friends went to, like, far-off, exotic, sexy places. And yeah. I went to Lansing, and I Lansing is the least sexy place in not only the state of Michigan, but I'll bet in the United uh, States. I don't know. I the people at the time I thought, well, at least the people who got called to like Idaho or yeah. something like that are worse. Not Idaho is beautiful, but that's just a, an even less sexy sounding place. I don't know, so, man. I mean, <laughs> listen, Idaho is uh, – that you just said it. Idaho is beautiful. Lansing isn't even beautiful. Lansing <laughs> sounds terrible. Lansing is I awful. <laughs> well, okay, so you, you feel my pain here. So I in do. the spring of 1992, I go to Lansing on my mission, and yeah. uh, you get assigned different you know places around the state, so I kind of hopped around. and. Yeah. Uh, for those two years, you're not allowed to listen to secular music. Oh, so yeah. <laughs> that was really difficult for me, being a big music guy. But whenever people, locals, would hear that I was really into music, everyone was telling me, you've got to check out this band, The Verve Pipe. They're really, they are, they, you guys had won some kind of like battle of the bands or something like that. Yeah. And you were becoming a big deal. And in the fall of 1993 i got assigned to be in kalamazoo and that's where i was for like the last six months of my mission and everybody yes yes uh and i and and i was talking to a lot of people on like western michigan campus a lot of students and they everybody you got to check out the verb pipe so um i in fact one day this was like a, a i've always felt like um I'm like, I, this was a star sighting in a way. I was in, maybe you remember this, I was in a record store in Kalamazoo called Boogie. Boogie Records, sure, of course. Boogie Records. Now, even though I couldn't buy anything and I wasn't technically allowed to even listen to anything, I would still go into record stores sometimes because it would make me feel like home again. And I remember being in Boogie, kind of flipping through the CDs, and one employee kind of yelled to another employee on the other side of the store, hey, whoever, uh, Brian from the Verve Pipes on the phone. And I was like, what? They're on the, he's on the, a, star, a rock star's on the phone while I'm standing right here? That is crazy. Uh, so I, uh, everyone's telling me how great you guys are. I buy your first two CDs. I've suffered a head injury and pop smear. And I buy them with the intention of just listening to them when I get home. Right. I do. I love them. and uh, But I'm waiting for something to happen with the Verve Pipe, and nothing's really – you know, I'm right. home for a year or two, and, uh, yeah, nothing is really, like, bubbling up. I never hear from you guys again. So, yeah. eventually, and this happened to me a few times in college, I was broke, and I needed money, and so I sold CD, some of my CDs back for, like, gas yeah. money. And, yeah. and at one point, I remember holding those CDs in my hand thinking, these guys are never going anywhere, and yeah. I need the money, and maybe because these are rare or not, you know, no one knows them. I might get a little extra money for them. Sure. I sell them back. And then one night in 1996, it's like 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm laying on the couch. I'm in college. 
and uh, all my roommates are asleep or out, and I'm dozing off, and a video, the video for Photograph comes on. And I'm like, what? It happened. These are the guys. Yeah. I've been thinking yeah. about these guys for years. Uh, it, was, it was such a happy moment for me. So I wanted you to know that you and I go way back, even though you didn't know that. All you've right. had a That's... special place in my heart for 25 years, almost to the day. I so, appreciate anyway. that. I appreciate yeah. that. And I'm going to tell you, you know, that very first I suffered a head injury album had uh had our song the freshman on it it was an acoustic version of it yep. and that was the song that was a big hit regionally won't be held responsible She fell in love in the first place For the love of me I cannot remember What made us think that we were wise And we'd never compromise For the love of me I cannot believe we'd ever die For these sins We were merely freshmen friend took a week's vacation to forget his girl took a week's work. We, we recorded it for RCA because it didn't have enough edge to it. And there were so many complaints um, about it, especially for the 60 or 70,000 that bought the original version. Mm -hmm. But um, but then we, uh, we ended up going in and taking it off of those suffered albums. So yeah. you probably had a CD that was worth at least 300, 400 hours now on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> I found Just that out know. recently because okay. every time I, I um, in the age of downloading, I went back and got those albums, I'm afraid yeah. to say. Yeah. Uh, this was years ago as sure. soon as I realized my, my mistake. But anyway, yes, I've noticed that like on Spotify, it's a truncated version of that album. And yes. that, the freshman was the obvious standout when I had the original 10-track CD. And then when I bought, when I've, you know, Villains comes out, and I'm so pumped, and I go by Villains. You know, I love you, but that version, you're right. I think a purist who was around in the beginning is a little like, what? what is this exactly? This is kind of sure. taking some of the magic out of what 
drew me to this song in the first place. No offense to Jerry Harrison, who's a legend, no. but yeah. it, uh, it just kind of watered it down a little bit. Did you yeah. notice that? Well, it's funny that you say Jerry Harrison because the hit, the big hit version was actually produced by Jack Joseph Puig. We went in with uh, oh. Jerry and recorded another version of The Freshman that was very sleepy, and it was about five minutes long. And that was the on the first out. If you if you bought the album when Photograph came out, then you got that sleepy version. Mm. But RCA decided, look, it's not edgy enough. It's not rocking enough. We're going to go back in, and then we hired Jack Joseph Puig to redo it. So not only did mm. we get the early people complaining, we also got the people complaining <laughs> that didn't get the version of it on their album that was on MTV. So it's been a huge mess up until yeah. I would say up until a couple of years ago where I all has been forgiven. So that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, this is that's your biggest hit, and it's obviously the calling card that got you signed in the first place. Why are people right. messing with this? Why? How different? If know. that's the song that was so right in the first place, why not just yeah. put that out? Why keep? Well, I think the and honestly, in in the defense of the record label and the design by committee, which I hate. Uh, in the defense of that, at that time, uh, I don't think the original version would have went over on radio. Yeah, it was maybe. too, it was just too sparse and it, there, you know, and already it had, what it had going for it, I think was a, was a lyric uh, that had a linear story that was different, that made it different from everything else anyway. So I think they didn't want to take any chances mm. and just thought, let's, let's grunge this up a little bit, yeah. follow okay. the trends. And honestly, thankfully they did because it, it, you know, it, mm -hmm. it 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 ended up knocking U2 off the top spot, which that's amazing. Uh, by the way, I'm yeah. a huge U2 fan, and I didn't feel bad for them at all. <laughs> they they turned out okay. You know? They, I you know I think they're all right. I haven't yeah, much I think everything's all right. Twenty years, years but yeah. <laughs> so how does a band like you guys, who are a local phenomenon, attract the attention of RCA in the first place? Are you becoming such a big deal that they can't? ignore you any longer and then why like jerry harrison i mean he's coming off live and crashing yeah. his dummies he's super yep. hot at the time what makes him yep. how does he get assigned to you it's funny we um you know we we borrowed five thousand dollars to record our, our first cd and then we went out and sold about fifteen thousand and then we mm. we took some of that money and we we made that second album pop smear and we sold about twenty five thousand copies of that and we had about six or seven labels that came out to see us and all of them passed, including RCA. Mm -hmm. And then when we sold that, when it got word out from the, uh, uh, you know, from the manufacturers and the uh, distribu uh, distributors that we were selling 60, 70,000 albums. I mean, that's, you know, that's four or yeah. $500,000 in profit. Then that's when RCA came back and said, Hey, there might be something here. And they came and saw mm -hmm. us live and, and they saw us in Kalamazoo at the state theater and everybody sang the freshman. Oh, and they nice. just said, okay, that's it. This yeah. is clearly a hit song. And and then photo, we gave them a demo of a new song called Photograph, and they loved mm -hmm. that. And so that's all we got done. And then they sent all the demos to, our, or to uh, Jerry Harrison, uh, who was hot, and Jerry loved it. He said, he, he called me up. He said, you got to bring the band out and record, you know, where, you know, they always throw out what they've done or what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, where Fleetwood Mac recorded rumors, you know, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. where Metallica's currently recording. We can live on houseboats in the San Francisco Bay while we record. <laughs> I mean, all this crazy stuff. And all of that was true. So yeah. RCA signed a check for, you know, $250,000 for a budget, and we went and recorded villains. I mean, it's, you wow. know, it's, uh, I mean, it really was a dream come true for sure. I bet it was. Now, uh, the actual song villains, I think, is, is 
my favorite song on that album. I love those Appreciate explosive, that. epic. Yes, it rocks so hard. Photograph does pretty well. Uh, Freshman obviously does great. Villains was, I think, the, another single off the follow-up single out yeah. of that. Were you in favor of that being like the next statement made by the Verve Pipe? I love that song. Yes. I don't know how well it did if it was like to continue things. I was the one that pushed for it hard. Oh, good, good. Um, and uh, and I because I really love the song and I. And, 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 you know, there were a lot in our, many in our camp who said, it's got to be Reverend Girl, a song Reverend Girl, that's mm-hmm. uh, another ballad. Another thing. good one. We are for today. We are. But, uh, you know, I didn't want to put out another ballad. Yeah. I just felt like, no, I mean, this is not what this band's about. We're not, we're not a ballad band. And, and turns out we, we probably were a ballad band. <laughs> but, you know, uh, right. but, you know, I fought for villains and, you know, we had a great video by Dean Carr, who's just a genius. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so we could not get, you know, it all came down to one thing. It all comes down to if K-Rock in California adds you. Really? That's, that's the key. If K-Rock did not add you, because if K-Rock adds you, then hundreds of stations around the country, including uh, in Iowa will and Lansing, mm-hmm. will right. add the song to their playlist. If K-Rock doesn't do it, then they won't add. So K-Rock was the one that was like Reverend Girl, and we mm-hmm. were like, no, villains. So we, uh, you know, I kind of signed our... Um, 
or, or death warrant. <laughs> death warrant. Look, I mean, I often ask people if they have regrets. Is that a legitimate regret of yours? Do you think if you'd put Reverend Girl out, things would have been different? No, I, I, th I definitely think that it would have been different, but I, I have no I, I have Yeah, no who knows how much. Zero okay. regrets. Okay. I mean, all the, the you know, the, the, cut to the end of the story. I'm I'm happier than I've ever been in my life. I've got an amazing family. I've got a wife and young kids, and and we Good. live great. You know. Good. That's that's all that matters. So tell me then how your you talk about that becoming a dream come true. I'm always interested in the transitions. Tell me how your life changes. Is there a moment when you go to the ATM and there's suddenly way more money in there than there was before, or yep. you're meeting Here, a hero? Here's, here's what it is. Here's what yeah. it is. And honestly, this this is the most ridiculous, simple. A uh, little household item that everyone has, but I could afford the expensive shampoo. <laughs> I did not have to wash my hair in a hotel using the hotel soap. I actually got to buy Suave. I believe it was Celestial Seasons uh, with lilac. Um, and and that was the moment. I remember, I and I'm not... John, I'm not shitting you. No, I, I believe remember, you. That's what's so I great remember about that moment where I'm washing my hair in this, this lather, just running down my arms and my body, and I'm thinking, and it smells so good, and I'm thinking to myself, this smells like success. <laughs> <laughs> this stupid $5 bottle of shampoo. You know, knowing oh I God. just had, you know, 300 grand put in my, uh, you know, in my bank account from the oh. uh, publishing deal. But that's, so that's the honest to God's truth. It's, wow. Yeah. So, it's that's all my book. That's one of the best <laughs> stories I've ever heard. Thank you for saying that. I love it. Sure. So, I mean, let me, uh, this is a point blank question. I don't, can you live off like freshman royalties for the rest of your life? Or no. is, it's not well, one of those kind of perennial hits. Okay. <laughs> you can, but not. You know, not enough. Not by the means that I'd like to live. And, I, you know, I want to send my kids to a good school and I want to live in a nice sure. house. No, you, okay. you have to find other ways. You know, okay. everybody's royalties have been dwindling since, the, sure. since of course, straightening's been going on. And, you know, when Sh Shania Twain has to go back on a tour, you know, the, the, yeah. the money's getting tight for Shania Twain. Yep. Even. <laughs> so everybody's got that same problem. Yeah. So, no, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm barely making enough. But, you know, streaming – you know, we had four million streams of the freshman in the last uh, three months. What? And we, yeah, oh, absolutely. Wow. It, it's, it's, and you know, we got a check for two hundred dollars for that. Oh, that's no. how little we make. You know, you make point zero 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 five cents per spin or whatever per uh, stream. So no, you, you know, you can't, you can't survive on that. I have to find other ways to market the band uh, and other ways to make money for sure. Okay. Without getting the day job, thank God. Right. I didn't know if like that song got licensed enough, you know, in other things. No, or it's not a popular song to get licensed on, other okay. than an occasional TV show and a movie. Yeah. Um, you know, but for, as far as commercial stuff, here's a here's a quick here's a little bit of insight for you. Yeah. We had an opportunity in 1996 to. Uh, to let Kodak use Photograph, oh man, right? And nobody was licensing music. It was still really uncool. Mm -hmm. So we said, no, we're not going to license <laughs> for a gajillion dollars. What yes. a sellout move. And it wasn't even like three months, four months later that Moby, you know, the coolest yes. of all the coolest DJs, yes. 
he licensed every song on his album play. And we were yeah. like, oh, my God, what have we done? It's such a <laughs> stupid move. You know, now Kodak isn't around much anymore. Sure. But, uh, but, but still, would that would have nice... kept paying the bills. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. a huge chunk of change. So. Um, now, now that's, believe... that's the closest thing to a regret, I think, that I have. Okay. Well, that's, this is, that's what I wanted to know. That's super fascinating. I believe yeah. around this time, were you op- did you open some shows for Kiss around this time? Yeah, another regret. Boy, I, you're, John, you're really? really good at this. You're pulling out all the regrets. <laughs> I had no idea. Good Lord. Okay, tell us some Kiss stories. Well, listen, Kiss, you know, when Kiss put them, imagine this, 20,000 people in any given city yeah. are excited because Kiss is getting back together with the original members and putting the makeup on. They're going to have the explosions and the spectacle of the light show, and then 20,000 people buy tickets, and 20,000 Kiss fans go to see Kiss. Yeah. And they wait inside of an arena for two hours, and then the lights go down, and 20,000 KISS fans roar in anticipation of seeing KISS, and the lights go up, and it's some stupid band you've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> they were ruthless. Really? <laughs> oh, oh, no, we man. got booed. We got spit on. It was awful. It was a half hour of the worst, I mean, the uh, the absolute worst times uh, on stage oh, in my life. Really? But we never left the stage. We just, we just powered through and right. and got, you know, pelted with pennies and whatnot for our half hour. And we did it, you know, we, we ended up doing it for 30 days, too. Oh. And when oh. we were done, when we were done the first night, Gene came back in the dressing room. Gene Simmons came back. And he was kind of chuckling a little bit. He goes, yeah, that's, this is what happens to the opening band. Don't feel bad about it, you know. And I was like, you bastard. Yeah. You said something before we signed on for 29 more days or whatever. He knew what he was doing. He was throwing he knew, you guys They knew the exactly what they were yeah. doing. Yeah. So, Did you have much interaction with them throughout the tour? Was there, yeah, he was what, terrific. What was it like? Gene okay. and Paul were, were really great to us. Gene would come back quite a bit, come backstage and encourage us and, and talk to us about the business and talk to us about, you know, what he believed in and what, uh, and especially, you know, I, I think he overheard an argument about us. We were playing a show back home and we were arguing in our dressing room about playing the old songs. We didn't want to play those old Lansing songs. And, uh, yeah. and we, uh, and we, and he heard and he came in, he said, you know, he, he said, you think I want to play that I was made for loving you shit? <laughs> you know, <laughs> disco shit. He said these words. And, oh, uh, man. He said, but you got to do it for the fans. And I've always yeah. thought of that. He's like, yeah, right. You got to do it for the fans. <laughs> always the business man. He knows. Always the he knows business man. Up. He knows. Absolutely. Okay. Let's talk about the follow-up. What yeah. happened with the self-title? And forgive me, I feel like somewhere along the line I heard a story and it, this is just fading from my memory. Did something was it supposed to come out on the same day as like some big of drastic event, or did it just come out and nothing happened? No, the uh, the uh, the second album, the follow up album to Villains, yeah. we um, we spent one point two million dollars oh, on that, wow. which is just the stupidest. You know, wow. we didn't uh, we didn't do yeah. any uh, advanced writing. We we wanted to go to New York. We were you know we were full blown rock stars. So let's go to New York. Let's spare no expense. Let's get the you know yeah. what's recorded the Hit Factory. You know, it's four thousand yeah. dollars a day. Oh let's get God. the best producer out right now, which Michael Beinhorn's Soundgarden's uh, a super unknown. You know, we're, mm-hmm. we're huge fans of that album, so we got Michael Beinhorn. And a three month process took almost a year. Yeah. Uh, to get this album done, and um, 
you know, it's funny because I remember a picture I saw in Rolling Stone or Spin of Chris Cornell in the studio making Super Unknown, and he just looked so beat up and so he didn't <laughs> want to be there. And I realized about halfway through this album, you know, the album we recorded was like, oh, my God, it's so true. This is the hardest. Really? Michael Beinhorn just takes you to task. It's the Does hardest. Producer so Beinhorn issue. Was it oh, I, I think for the most part. Him, or? You know, I really like Michael. I liked him because he was really intelligent. Uh, uh-huh. He was really uh, fun to talk to, very smart, um, and he had a pretty good, not only a pretty good, but a, a great sense of melody and phrasing, and I learned a lot from him. However, he doesn't have, you know, he, he doesn't have any issue with taking as long as it takes. Mm-hmm. You know, it took yeah. us 12 days to get one guitar tone, oh <laughs> you know, gosh. so if you're yeah. still working on AJ's guitar tone, it was 12 days. <laughs> yeah. Like, look, he wants it to be perfect, yeah. I get it, right. but... You know, well, and it's uh, not his money. You know, it's he's not getting, his money. He's employed yeah. no matter what, so he That's just right. racks up the bills. I've but you get to happening. a certain point, John. You get to a certain point where you know you're already two months in, three mm-hmm. months in. You want to scrap it and start over? No, it's only going to be another three or four weeks. Well, then four months, five yeah. months goes by, and you're like, should yeah. we scrap it? No, we're five months in. We can't. <laughs> right. You know, you're stuck right. in this wheel. So. Yeah. I thought everything would be okay because we had one and a half million people bought villains. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, we have one and a half million fans. At least yeah. 5% of those people are going to rush out in the first week and buy the album. And so I figured 75,000 would buy the album the first week, which would pretty much pay for everything. Yeah. And only like 7,000 people bought it. It was a huge, that was a huge failure. No, huge. I didn't realize yeah, it was yeah. that bad. Oh, it was a terrible failure. We had... We had a spot in SNL that was taken away from us just a few weeks no. before the performance. Oh, no, it was awful. Oh. Yeah. Now, so let's dissect this for a second. I mean, yeah. is this a – is it because the songs aren't strong enough? Is Hero, which I believe is the lead single, is it not yep. catching on? Let me tell you my theory. That tell album, me. I Love You, has a horrible cover. No one is going to go buy an album of a dissected yeah. frog. I and wasn't into that. odd. It's just too odd. You know what I mean? I wasn't into it. I was into I was into studio. We had William Claxton, who was a great photographer, old jazz photographer, had, you know, amazing photos of Frank Sinatra and, and all this. We had him come in and take pictures in the studio. We had the whole thing laid out how I wanted the cover to be with us in the studio, and it was going to be this classic-looking album. Yeah. I mean, RCA came up with the frog idea, and I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And, you know, mm. honestly, I didn't think it looked particularly good on the shelf. But, but listen, yeah. all of that aside, the fact is, is that the entire industry, the sound of what was going on changed. Kid yeah. Rock came out, Limp Biscuit came out, all of these really heavy bands came out, were really popular in '99, yeah. and uh, and that album didn't didn't stand a chance. There's no, no way. Now, when you look back, do you have fond mem- fond feelings, at least, of the music on those on that album? Or oh yeah, I think some of the writings. Like no, I think some of the writings, some of the uh, is some of the best. Um, that we did.
we had a bar that we set. I felt like we set it, you know, from the first album, the very first mm-hmm. album before RCA. And then the next album, Pop Smear, had a lot more acoustic stuff on, but it was about the songs again. And then Villains was about the songs. And then this Frog album was about the songs again. And that's, yeah. that was, listen, if the song isn't good enough, it doesn't make it on the record. Yeah. Now, the recording process is different, and the sound of the album is different with each producer you go to. So, you know, that album was a little heavier because of Michael Beinhorn, but was not mm-hmm. heavy enough for radio or K-Rock was playing mm-hmm. at that point. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, I remember seeing that in the stores and being kind of a little put off or shocked by what an odd cover it was, and I hadn't been hearing songs on the radio, so it was like... Yeah. They're back. The verb, is this a real verb pipe album? What is this? I'm not exactly even yeah. sure what this is. You know yeah. what I mean? Sure. Yeah, it just got lost in the shuffle. And it's unfortunate because my personal feeling is that your last three albums, Underneath and Overboard and Parachute, are fantastic. Those are your best albums. And I, and I, and I, Thank when you. I listen to them, I think all those people who came for villains and left afterwards would be so impressed with what happen what's been happening since you know yeah it's a shame yeah. those people don't not all of them anyway know that this great stuff is out there so when yeah. you get with like adam schlesinger for underneath and he's a yeah. great producer for what you guys are trying to do I super think. he brings a lot of your power pop stuff back he out. was the best producer for us to have at that point yes does the does the label have <clears throat> any uh confidence in underneath are they going to push it at all or yeah. is it sort of like oh no this is out. a huge they picked us up for you know the underneath for those of you not in the business at that point we were up to we were in for our options you know mm-hmm. you know RCA guaranteed us two releases and they with two options and that was the first option so if they didn't believe the band could do it could come back they wouldn't have picked up our option but they okay. did and then we you know we they wanted us to use Adam and we loved Adam because we Good. Huge Fountains of Wayne fan, and uh, and so it was a you know it was a love fest, and the songs were there. We had a song in the movie soundtrack for uh, of uh, Rockstar, mm-hmm. two of the biggest box office stars at the time, you know Mark Wahlberg, Jennifer Aniston, and I had that song called Colorful that I wrote that that I wrote for the movie, and Mark Wahlberg lip syncs to my voice mm-hmm. in the movie to Jennifer Aniston. <laughs> Plus we had a song called Never Let You Down, which was I think number twenty-five. I'm getting to like this feeling I've found I'm getting to love the thought of having you around And I will never let you down Friends were all well-meaning when they said no one is good enough for you Your emotions dismiss the notion. Do what you have to do. Cause people don't take chances with their hearts. Since I met you, I am past the hardest part. So remember one thing: I will never let you down. And that yeah. was, had a bullet, so we knew that this album was the comeback album and that we were going to be in the stratosphere again. And RCA was thrilled. The five singles, you know, they were talking about yeah. it. But then, uh, of all times, 
we re- our album was released on 9/11. Yeah. It's like, what do you do? Yeah. Couldn't promote it. Couldn't you know? Couldn't go out and promote anything. Yeah. And, and uh, nobody wanted to see you know Rockstar at that point. Now, fortunately, yeah. over time, Rockstar uh, is seen all the time. I mean, it's yeah. all over the place. And yeah. Colorful is our has been our second biggest uh, selling, most listened to song. Yeah. Since then, ah. so. Show is over. Close the storybook. Will be no encore. And all the random hands that I have shook, well, they're reaching for the door. I watch the backs as they leave single file. You stood stubborn, cheering all the while. What a shame. And, and you know, I, this led me to a question, and I hope this isn't too pointed. Know that I'm a fan, so I'm not – if it sounds hard, well, I don't mean for it to. Sure. But when – what is – is it difficult to continue to feel motivated to put your heart and soul into cre- creative endeavors when the fear of it not really being heard or heard enough is – a reality. And I say that because, you know, I grew up wanting to be a writer and it eventually got to be like, well, I'm not going to put my heart and soul into something if my mom is the only one that's going to read this, you know? Right. The, right. the process of writing was, was too arduous for me to just do it for love if it was not going to be read by anybody. So I don't do it. And I, and I wonder if that happens with musicians too. You put your heart and soul into these great albums and less and less people hear them, unfortunately. But the, does the motivation continue, or is it ever difficult? It always, it always uh, continues for me. Oh, good. And I can't speak for everyone else, but I can say that. And I teach my kids this. I, I have young kids, uh, thirteen, eight, and three, and I, I tell them, look, create. Yeah. This is the one thing you can do. Uh, the one thing you have control over in your life is creating something. And the satisfaction you get from creating it is well worth it. I mm-hmm. never worry about – I worry about money and where the income is going to come in, but I've got other sources of income that are helpful but from other yeah. activities that I do. But, okay. no, we create and uh, we create music and so we can sit back at the end of the day after mixing the album and go – that's a great fucking album. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really yeah. happy with this. And Good. that's the important thing. I mean, whether people buy it or not, wonderful if they do. Nobody's buying albums anyway, you know, but, yeah. but you know, uh, yeah. wonderful if people love it. We have fans that are, you know, that were there in the very beginning. I, I would think, dare to think that same 100,000 fans that we had in the beginning have been there for us for this many years. And a lot of them are coming back with Parachute. You know, this is an album right. that – that people really seem to love. So good, I love it too. And uh, we're going to insert snippets of songs that we that we talk about. And I I want to put in a little plug. It's got one of my very favorite songs of yours on it. It's the little things. 
your love and all the joy that it brings. It's all of the littlest things you do for me when you're around. What I've come to is do I really deserve you? Live my life just to serve you, throw my body to the Little things, yeah. Yeah, Thanks, I man. love it. It's got this kind of creepy, haunting, but really beautiful vibe. And the bass is really uh, moody and kind of vibey. On, I love that track. I so, appreciate that. My, um, my, you know, Channing Lee joined the band here five years ago. She, uh, She's a songwriter as well with a band called Channing and Quinn. They're kind of a quirky duo, but she's she she's the one that came up with the you know the the verse for that. And I wrote the I chorus and we collaborated on that. It's and it really does. It has that ninety late nineties edge to mm-hmm. the you know the chord structure and the melody and it's rocking. I mean, she, yeah. I got to give it. I got to hand it to her. She delivered uh, big time on this album. I, and her hearing the two of you sing together, a male and a female like that. Uh, adds yeah. this quality to it that I think is really made for something new, a new direction in the Burp Pipe yeah. canon. I really enjoyed that song. So I appreciate uh, that. Thanks. Yes, man. I want to be sure to tell you that. Um, now, tell me about these family albums. Like when you, yeah. You're, so I have a theory. Again, I'm going. I know you don't care what I think, but I'm spouting my theories <laughs> at you. When people like they might be giants or Lisa Loeb put out a family album, it's a way to, that's probably not what they really want to do, but maybe no one is buying their regular albums anymore, and so they've got to yeah. diversify, and it's a way to stay out there and stay a little relevant, maybe attract a new audience, possibly have something that, you know, albums are always, there's always going to be kids, and kids are going to always want to listen right. to music, kind of like a Christmas album, so may that's as well right. put something out there in the market. Is that sort of what went into the thinking of making a children's album? Why do they call it a hamburger? There's no ham in it. Why do they call it a sandwich? There's no sand in it. Why do they call it a hot dog? There's no dog in it. Or is there? Because I don't even care because I'm still having it. You say spaghetti. Supper time is my favorite time of day. 
I can honestly say no. Oh, uh, good. But I can say it was a happy accident that what you're saying is true. Mm. We we came off of underneath, and this will make sense after you know about underneath 9/11 release. You know, we didn't want to go. We thought this is an omen. We don't want to go back in the studio. Things were we were everybody was so depressed. Nobody was writing, um, and it was like you know I was making some solo projects, but as yeah. a band, like just seeing each other was like oh my god! It just reminded you of this terrible time that we had in the end. Mm-hmm. So a way to get us back into the studio was to have fun and to write silly songs. And we thought, well, let's make a kid's record and let's make it like Sgt. Pepper's, you know, where it's, uh, mm. it's you know, four-part harmonies and stuff and more rocking for kids and, and that kind of thing and just have a lot of fun with it. You know, when you put it, if you if I were to put an oboe on a rock record, it would be so <laughs> pretentious. Right. But you can put an oboe on a kid's record, and that kid who plays oboe is going to go, oh, my God, I can't believe there's an oboe solo, you know, finally <laughs> validated. Right. So we just said, no holds barred, let's have fun, and we did it, and it was enormously successful for us. Wow. We, all of a sudden, we were playing Lollapalooza in, in front of 10,000 screaming kids. Oh my god! You know that kind of thing, and yeah. uh, and so and besides that, and these are things that I hadn't planned on because I'm not that great of a businessman. I mean, it's always creativity first. But the fact is, is like when you go to a kids show or any kind of kids performance, if you buy one T-shirt for one of your kids, you're going to buy T-shirts for all your kids. Uh-huh. So our merchandise sales quadrupled. <laughs> Whoa! Who yeah, would so, guess? No, I wouldn't. Wow. So you know, so that I can honestly say. The second a kids album we made was yes, just that because not only do we want to always be creative and create, but we knew that we could make money off this again, and that would uh, you know we'd be then afford to be able to make a rock record. Yeah. So that's what we made the second kids album. Fascinating. See, this is the I'm sure that these I I have to I always think that a children's record is a business decision, and I'm always curious what the motivation for that is. You just illustrated it. Now it all makes sense. And it's yeah. not like it's an arduous process. You know, it's not that like it's hard. That's making fun. It. It's going to be fun, and and there's and it pays you back. That's great. Wow. The funny okay. thing is, is that the second kids album was the one that became arduous and not as much fun oh. because suddenly we had a bar that was way high. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. like with the villains album, this first right. family album, the bar was high, and we had to go in, and the pressure was on, and it was taking too long. Uh-huh. And that second kids album, when it was being recorded. I was calling it the the you know the tadpole album, which is a reference to the frog album. Uh-huh. You know, it's the same. It was the same problem we had with a follow up. Oh, that's great. I told you about that party where Bella's mom got on the phone, called up some of the parents to take all the bad kids home. See you, Barry and Sammy. And Randy too And now that they're gone Here's what we're gonna do Okay, here we go Runners on your mark Get set Scavenger hunt I need a rubber band I need a paper clip A stick of chewing gum And I need it quick I need a cotton ball And a piece of wood Everybody gotta run, yeah. Run, 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 run,
talked a minute ago about really good producers. I uh, Just yesterday, I was listening to an interview uh, with Bill Simzik, and for anyone who doesn't know, I was listening to this on the Rockonomics podcast. It's a great podcast, great interview. And he was talking about you. He was talking about what... Um, oh, that's nice. Yeah, he mentioned... I mean, here's the guy, you know, this is Hotel California, but in part of this interview, he mentions, he makes it a point to mention, I was a fan and admirer of Brian, and I really wanted to work with him. But I wanted him to ask me. And I guess yeah. his wife or something kind of approached you and said, yeah. you know, Bill's interested if you are sort of, you know, hooking up a date. Kind of, what, how did this work? Well, I mean, I put out a solo album called Resurrection, and I knew – and he liked it. He came up and introduced himself to me at a club in North Carolina where I was playing. And I was like, holy shit, Bill, I have all your – I have most of all, every album that you've ever produced. I'm pretty yeah. much from the James Gang on, you know, and, yeah. you know, all the way up to – oh, my God, uh, whatever. We can go through a whole list. The guy's produced sure. everything. Uh, but – you know, we, we struck up a friendship, and then I was making a new solo album, and I was trying to raise money, uh, and Ken Coomer was producing that solo album from the band Wilco. He was the drummer in Wilco. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so I, I went around to all, you know, my friends, and everybody said, look, everybody put in $1,000, I'll pay you back. This is before, you know, uh, the pledge music or whatever. Sure. I'll pay you back plus 15% or whatever, and Bill wrote the check right away. And I no didn't even consider that he would ever want to work with me or I would have asked him to do it. And then yeah. turns out his wife hit me up the next time I was going to make an album. He said, you know, Bill would love it if you would ask him to produce an album, and I flipped. That is I amazing. I flipped, and I went down and, and did an album with Bill, did two albums with Bill Simpson yeah. and just loved it. And he's he's a dear friend. He's a terrific guy. Good. Terrific. Another he's Michigan really nice. guy, by the way. Yes. And I was, it just it kind of warmed my heart that he was saying such nice things about you. Hold on for dear life, little man, little man. You'll be living with the cards that you've been dealt. You can hold the world in your hands, little man, but you'll never know the pain your mother felt. You may find yourself a middle man, little man, and you worry it's an ordinary life. You're in demand, lonely man And in a moment she will want to be your wife This is a complicated world That offers you very simple days Now one thing that came up in that interview Was that they were calling you the king of the living room concert I didn't know this Why Uh, why are you the king? Well, I don't know about the king, but you know, 11 years ago, I needed uh, I needed to find a way to make money, you know, yeah. to, to record an album. And so I offered up um, house concerts. And I just said, let me come into your home. Nobody really knew what a house concert was. I mean, you get an idea of what it was, but sure. nobody was doing that. And so, what, he comes to your house and plays? And I did. Yeah. And I booked, I booked 50 the first summer, just in the summer months. And the next year, I did 110. 
And I did, I do them in the summer, but, and I do three or four of them a day. Oh. Uh, on the weekends. So I go from one to the next to the next and I travel all over the country doing house concerts. And I was only going to do that one year and I had so much fun doing it that I've now been going on 11 years now. I just, I just finished my 61st, I think, for this last summer. So wow. I, it's a blast. I love going into people's homes and. <laughs> that is amazing. And I mean, to be frank, that's got to be fairly profitable because all the it's just yeah. you in a car with your acoustic guitar project that's right exactly right that's exactly right and uh you know i could charge much more and 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 i get this all the time from people you know you don't charge enough but i don't uh, want to just play for rich people i mean honestly yeah. i played for rich people it's not nearly as much fun as playing for right. poor people right so right. i keep it all very uh, you know I, I never quote prices now but i would say that you know it's it's like people would imagine how much it would be and then cut that in half i mean honestly i mean it's like a it's a great it's a great way to make a living and i can make six figures just doing the house concert and doing a hundred of them it's easy yeah good it's a blast good oh this is good news i love it um okay i know we gotta we've got to wrap up pretty quickly here but uh let me ask you the question that i know you've been asked a million times and you're probably sick of answering well, let's do it anyway. What yep. was the how? What was the impact of having the Verve out at around the same time as you, the Verve type? It was you, you can't even imagine the impact. What really? It's it actually got more of an impact today than than ever before. Uh, and I'll tell you a quick story about that. When we first formed the band back in 1992, we saw English magazine. It might have been Q, one of those music magazines. Mm-hmm. And there was an advertisement for The Verve. I think the Storm album was coming out. And we were like, oh, no, there's a band called The Verve already. We're The Verve Pipe, and and we're going to have to change our name. And we thought, what are the chances that a band from England, some random band, and our band are going to make it? You know, and Mm -hmm. wouldn't you know it, our hit songs were within weeks of each other. Oh, my God. Like, it was ridiculous, the confusion. And to this day, I still have people come up after a show and say, why didn't you play Bittersweet Symphony? I get that all the time. Or they'll say, I love Bittersweet Symphony, and I'll say, I love it too. And they think I'm a complete idiot. (laughs) Oh, man. I had a feeling it was something like that. What what are the chances, you know? And it's got to be you. That sucks. But, uh, you know, honestly – you know, I, we met the guys. The guys from the Verb came to a, one of the Kiss shows when we were in England. Oh, and, uh, interesting. Great, a great band, dude. I mean, a great Yo, band. I I'm sure them. they got it. They got it a lot worse than we did because they were really they were a critic darling, and yeah. they, you know, they they, you know, um, the music people really loved them. You know, we were the kind of the frat boy band and right. that kind of thing. So. And like the, all the, you know, sorority girls loved our band. So I'm sure their message boards were, oh my God, I love the freshmen. And they just must have made Ashcroft just cringe. So I'm sure they got it much worse than we did, dude. Yeah, I bet you're right. Uh, okay, real quick. I looked on your website and you guys are doing a, you or your band or whatever, doing a ton of shows in January. If something happening yeah. in January, we're going to make sure we put this out in time so people know and can check yeah. those out. What's going on? Well, you know, last year we did a really successful East Coast tour that we didn't realize uh, we had that many fans um, mm. around, and the shows were selling out. And so we're we're going back. I mean, this is this is what we do. So no, it's another it's another two maybe three week run of East Coast and Southern. Uh, I think we go 
far south as uh, North Carolina. Um, and so we're just we're just doing it again, and we're just okay. going to keep going on the road, and and we're going to keep building it and building it and building it. Um, but this is the these are the times to see us again. I mean, in these great clubs that are, you know, mm-hmm. 500, 600 seats, those are the best because they're conducive for storytelling and yeah. and 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 a good time for the band uh, on stage and a good time for the crowds. Um, and it and these are you know again to be reintroduced to the band, we'll we'll play a handful of new songs for fun, but we. Uh, you know, of course, we play all the hits, but we do them in you know in fun ways as well, and and sure. uh, it's a, it's it's a good time. And it, it you know I I was thrilled that the shows were selling out last time. That now a year later we get to go out and do them again. Good for you, man. That is great. You deserve it. Last question. Tell me your favorite memory. Your favorite rock and roll rock star. I can't believe this happened to me. Tell me what that story is. Pete Townsend oh. uh, came and saw a play that I was in in La Jolla. He's a he's a big supporter of this La Jolla Playhouse. It was a play called uh The Complete Works of Billy the Kid. Uh and uh I played uh Billy the Kid's best friend Charlie and uh, you know I get to sing a little bit and everything. And mm-hmm. that night at Pete's Pete saw the matinee and then that night he did a benefit concert and Pete Townsend said, uh you've got to go see the play. Brian Vanderark was awesome. No way. And I just completely shit myself. Yes. Like, oh my god! Pete just said I was awesome. Wow! Wow! Good for you. Yeah, man. that That's was a great. moment. That was probably the best rock yeah. and roll moment for me because I was such a huge fan. And, uh, sure. Good so, for you, man. That is great. Well, look, Brian. I, as you can tell, I have had an affinity and a fondness for you and what you've been doing for almost exactly 25 years. So I am really grateful that you talked to me. I've been waiting a long time to tell you that I was in the store in Boogie Records and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So I'm so grateful that you talked to me, and I'm so glad that you guys are doing well because you deserve it. These last Thanks, two albums John. are incredible. Sure. Thanks, man. I really appreciate the support, John. Thank you. You bet. There you have it. Brian Vander Ark. Wasn't he great? I'd always heard that he was a really cool guy, and I've heard other interviews with him and liked him a lot. I was surprised, pleasantly surprised, by how cool of a guy he was. I thoroughly enjoyed that, and I hope you guys did too. By the way, he mentions there at the end them going on a tour. That tour is happening right now. It's along the eastern United States, and uh, if you're out there, I've heard really good things. I've heard from a few of you that have been seeing these shows and saying really great things. So if you're interested, the link to the website is in the show description that you're looking at right here. Just click on that and get yourself some tickets. Find out if they're in a town near you. Uh, These guys are really good. And don't forget... Parachute is the album they put out in 2017 that is really solid. This is a song off of it, one of my favorites. It's called Grieve for the Girl. I love this track. Now, next week, I haven't decided 100% what I'm going to do next week. Um, I've got a lot in the can. I think we're going to go with finally releasing that interview that I did with... He's a, one of the. He's a, he was a member of one of the most important new wave bands, maybe the most important new wave band ever. And uh, we go deep. We go deep on all the albums, the whole career. I think you're going to love it. If you like 80s, New Wave, you're going to love this conversation. That's what I think is going to come up next week. Uh, Huge thanks, as always, to Yan the Man, my buddy, for putting everything together. Thanks, Yan, for all you do. You guys know the drill by now. 
You can find us on Facebook and like our page. You can send me a message on there. You can send us an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at thehustlepod. We put out new episodes every Tuesday. Uh, If you're new to this, go into the archives. See if there are other artists or other people we've had on the show that you like. I promise you'll find some things that you'll enjoy. Okay? Thanks, everybody. We love you. We'll see you next week.